Welcome to Commercial Real Estate Eyes Wide Open podcast. I'm Ann Hambly. I'm the founder and CEO of First Service Solutions, the nation's leading borrower owner advocacy CMBS firm. I'm very honored today to have Phil Voorhees of CBRE on the phone. Uh, well, on the podcast with me, I guess it's not the phone. Uh, Phil's been with CBRE, I saw since 2001. Were you like 12, Phil, I guess, when you started? <laughs> You know, I got into the business a bit late, and I was I was in another small firm for a number of years before I got the CB. But it's been a, it's been a great twenty one years, that's for sure. It's amazing, yeah. Um, and I also saw, and I'm I very uh, I I missed right over this, but I saw that you earned a vice chairman role uh, title at CBRE in like 2018. So congrats on that. That that's a really huge accomplishment. Um, and your focus is primarily retail still, or I know that was it in the beginning, but is that what you focus on primarily? Yes, all just retail investment sales and just in the Western states, you know, probably 50% of our team's business is in uh, California and then probably 25 to 35% is in Arizona and Nevada. And invariably we, we work on deals in Hawaii, Washington, Oregon, you know, Colorado, Utah, but primarily the, the southern three states. Do you pick it based on climate? You have a really good, you, you avoid the really hot states. We're about 120 out here right now. <laughs> it's a little toasty, a little toasty in Arizona right now also. You True. know, we find that retail, retail is just the opposite of a commodity product type. Each property is separate and distinct and, and no two are alike. You really have to be able to visit and see the real estate to sell multi-tenant retail properties well. So that's why we focused on this closer geography. And we've got a great partnership with nine other national retail partner teams from CBRE that handle the major regions around the country, which kind of gives us the ability to, to learn what's happening elsewhere in the country and, and then also deliver great service for the clients. Great. Well, I, I'm going to get your insight here in a minute on what you're seeing in the market and so on. But before we start that, tell us a little something fun, a little something about yourself. And I and I looked also and saw, it's funny, when you prepare for these podcasts, you learn more about someone than, than you take the time to normally. But I saw that you have your pilot's license. That's neat. Do you fly often? Yeah, I, I fly almost every week for business, sometimes twice. Wow. So it's, uh, it's one of the perks one of the perks of being able to keep it in this three-state region. So I've uh, got a multi-engine rating and instrument rating, and I've been flying a lot for the past six years or so. Do you accept any bookings? Can I go online and book with you? <laughs> I, I got to fly out your way. I've got I've to fly to Texas. I haven't come to Houston yet, so i got to oh. put it on the put it on the calendar there. Andy. Yeah, and I'm in Dallas, so you'd have to come up to Dallas, but I, we definitely, if you're in Texas, we've got to connect. <laughs> you tricked me with the Houston uh, number for Sarah. Yeah, there. yeah. Well, I used to be in Houston, so you're probably thinking that anyway, but so tell us something else yeah. fun about yourself. You know, I, I, uh, I love real estate. I love being a dad mm -hmm. and I love being an athlete and, uh, and I love being a pilot. So those are the kind of things that monopolize the majority of my time. And I, uh, I just turned 50 this year also, and I know, wow. I know you're still probably five or 10 years out from that point. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, mm. you know, trying try, try to knock down 50 books this year and, and do a number of other mm. things that all have 50 in them, including some long running races and longer cycling races. Yeah, I'm 15 years out from that, and I won't say which direction. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Oh, congrats. Touché. Congrats for being 50. So, okay, so let's get into... Um, what you're seeing in the market, and I know that's kind of a broad, broad statement, but there is, you know, there's COVID that hit us, there's 
Um, I know for me, I do all my shopping online. I barely get out of my recliner chair once I get home. It's so easy. So how has Amazon kind of affected the market? And gosh, rates are rising. I mean, there's like every outside force coming at retail from the outside view. So how does how does the market look from your view? You're more inside of it. Well, I think it looks surprisingly healthy despite all the turmoil, you know, of late. And uh, as you know, we had the shopping center convention in Las Vegas at the at the end of uh, May there. In, in coming into that convention, I was just reflecting on what's been happening. And it's kind of been the tale of the marches recently. In 2020, in March, we had the onset of COVID and, uh, and everything just stopped from a retail standpoint. But by March of 2021, probably from March of 2021 to maybe uh, May of 2021, everything just turned back on. And we saw pricing continue to accelerate, you know, really kind of hitting a crescendo uh, in, in November and December of 2021 and probably continuing into January and February of 2022. And then here comes March again, boom, <laughs> treasury starts climbing, everything starts changing. And, and the, you know, gas came off or the foot came off the, the gas pedal pretty fast there from an investor standpoint. So interestingly, I think what we've seen is uh, the properties that are the most core, the ones that had the lowest cap rates and were priced at the, the tightest spread to the treasury. Um, those deals at the end of last year, the first part of this year, you were able to find probably 60 or 65% LTV, uh, 10 years of IO, fixed rate debt from banks, from life companies, um, from CMBS lenders. And those rates, effective rates, were in the kind of low 3% to mid 3% range. And then by uh, the end of May, and even more so just in the past week or two, you know, we've seen uh, those effective rates probably over 5% for the most part now. LTVs have dropped as debt coverage ratios have gotten compressed with the higher rate. And uh, so LTVs are down in the 50 to 55% range. No more 10 years of I.O. That's probably three years to five years, depending on the LTV and just a lot less lenders uh, in the water. So all of that is, you know, over time, uh, cap rates tend to track interest rates. And I think we're in an adjustment period right now. But the good news is it's not real estate's fault this time. It wasn't us. <laughs> uh, you know, these are lar larger global issues going on here. And, and during times of inflation, uh, generally, you're going to see investors gravitate toward hard assets. And so I think, well, you know, it's a tough time for office with more people working from home and industrial and multifamily have had an incredible run. I think retail is really being acknowledged right now as a durable asset class. And I think all the commercial real estate types are going to fare well in an inflationary period. So we're we're pretty excited about fundamentals right now and, and seeing no shortage of capital looking for quality projects. Uh, and I think probably uh, supply is still uh, under under meeting the demand. There's far more buyers than there are sellers right now. Far more buyers than sellers. Yeah, that's kind of what we yes. see, I think, too, on even the housing market and stuff. It's so hot right now. So, yeah. Um, do, that, go ahead. That's on that relative to the housing market. That's yeah. a good point. You know, that's one of the things I was just riding up in the elevator of the building today. There was a little, you know, 30 year fixed rate mortgage is 4.95%. And interestingly, the 15 year mortgage is higher than the than the 30 year mortgage. And so hmm. those same loans would have been in the, you know, probably around 3% yeah. at the end of the year. Right. And so that 
that uptick in rates is going to have a huge impact on consumer confidence and sort of how people feel about spending. You know, most Americans, their their biggest chunk of their net worth is in their house. And if all of a sudden your house isn't going up in value or is maybe plateaued or, or going down in value, it's going to change spending habits. So I think regardless of what the Fed does relative to raising short-term rates, I think we're going to see a bit of a cooling impact just by the change in the residential housing market. That's that's my take anyway. Yeah. Well, that's what I want is your take. Yeah. Um, do you... How do you feel your take on, you know, you hear lots and lots of things about the sort of amp that what was the the cliche line about two years ago was the Amazon effect, right? So COVID hit, we all shopped on. I I was probably a mm, 50% online shopper pre-COVID. And post-COVID, I became a, I, I dare say 99%, I don't, maybe 100, I don't know. I'm pretty much all online right now. Um, am I, is that kind of the trend? And yet I've heard Amazon lately has made announcements about cutting back some other facilities and stuff. So what's your, you're deeper in this than I am. So what do you think about all that? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not on the industrial side of it, but I, that's what I'd read in the headlines too, is that there was some pullback there. You know, we saw uh, online sales obviously accelerate like crazy during COVID and, you know, breaking from that sort of gradually increasing trend you know of a couple percent per year in terms of the penetration into retail sales but now on the back side of covid that's really pulled back dramatically and seems to be kind of returning to that historical trend line um we're seeing some of the best sales ever for a lot of the the retail tenants that report i think for the most part the active tenants uh be that uh, grocery stores or some of the discounters like tj maxx and whatnot they've really done well during COVID. And I think you're seeing, uh, you know, you look at tenant like Target, whose stock pulled back. Uh, they say they've got more inventories right now, and that's what caused investors to be concerned. We're in this dramatic, almost whiplash point in the market where we go from nothing to full gas, to full stimulus, to no stimulus, to pullback. And I think that everything during these sort of uh, points of transition you just have to look to the fundamentals and realize that uh, it's, it's always going to come back toward the average. And, um, you know, we think that for the majority of the retailers that weathered COVID, and, and I should expand that to say not just retailers, but everybody from restaurants and beverage folks to dentists, doctors, gyms, you know, everyone that survived COVID so far should be able to make it, if not thrive in the longer run. We're seeing a little bit of resistance to some of the theater tendency right now. It's hard to value those as a broker when, um, you know, a specific location might be doing great, producing, you know, 500, 700, you know, $900,000 per screen in sales, but the larger parent entity is maybe still in a little bit of trouble. And that obviously has a, you know, it's affected by streaming and all the other uh, ways that people now digest their media. But we feel really positive about retail in general. You'll remember back to 2016, that's when we had, you know, the, the retail apocalypse and, and everything got tough and, you know, the internet was going to take over retail. Mm -hmm. Well, we made it, we made it through that. And then COVID hit, all the businesses got shut down and we made it through that. So I think from a retail perspective, we're, we're battle tested. A lot of the tenants that were going to fail, failed. Uh, many of the tenants recovered much faster than I think anyone would have expected. And 
ultimately folks are they're social creatures you want to be out moving around in the world and you might not go to an office building every day or an industrial park every day or a multifamily property every day but most people have some sort of retail experience uh, in the course of their day and we feel like that fundamental uh, kind of anchor in in america being an american you're in retail and we think that that proposition is as strong as it's ever been no, I think you described our industry so perfectly because it is, having been around long enough, you do see that it's kind of like a roller coaster and it does eventually all sort of work its way out. It's, it's like all of life, right? Once you're certain age, you know that you get knocked down 25 times, you get back up and that's the key to success, right? It's probably the same thing with our with our properties. I think for a long time though, it's easy for the general market to think, COVID and, and, and the online shopping was going to have just a, a horrible impact on retail. And I'm, I'm so I'm so happy to hear your view being more, you know, closer to the owners of retail and, and knowing really where the market is. I, I love hearing that. Um, I, if you if, if we've got, we, which we probably do, have a buyer or seller, a potential buyer or seller listening to this podcast, um, what words of wisdom do you have for them? Let's assume they're retail. And by the way, I, I loved, I just looked back at your article from early 2019 about the 10 ways to screw up a retail investment sale. And they're probably all still relevant, but is there anything, uh, maybe, maybe Sarah, we could we could post that online on our, if you don't, I'm sure you don't mind, we'll, we'll post that and get that out there so anybody listening can see it. Of course, they can Google it and find it too, but we'll, we'll put it out there. But anything else that you would add to or or impart to a owner or a buyer seller that's listening today? Yeah, that uh, the, the 10 ways to screw up a sale got, got a lot of interesting comments over time. I still think that all those things are true, by the way, so I appreciate you referencing that. Uh, you know, we're, we're in an unusual moment in time. It's a transitional period. You know, the start of the year, the treasury was 150 and now it's, you know, 340. So we've had this more than doubling of the 10 year treasury. And remember, you know, the value of bonds goes opposite what rates do. So when the rate goes up, the value of the bonds people were holding go down. So think about that. That would be like, uh, you know, the Dow being at, you know, 35,000 and getting halved you know, or more than half, you know, from an impact value uh, in terms of the global financial markets. And, and there's, uh, you know, just trillions of dollars of bonds out there. So a lot of the big institutions right now are kind of going, wow, is the treasury going to continue to run or not? And so when you have these massive periods of adjustment, the, the general uh, market reaction is just to tap the brakes. Nobody wants to be the first person to to buy a property that's going down in value and and there's just a, a moment of of wait and see so what's been remarkable in our view is the resilience uh of of sort of smaller properties to call it less than 10 million dollar deal uh that are purchased by private investors uh you might not have liquidity in a big you know 50 60 or 100 million dollar deal for a period of time but if you can break that property up and sell it in smaller pieces, many of the private capital investors that are active in the West uh, may not even own stocks or be interested in bonds. And many of them are business owners that want to take the money from their business and put it into tangible assets that they can go see and visit. And uh, that demand has remained very consistent. You know, we've got 
a property we just posted to the market on Thursday last week. We're selling it in seven different pieces. And here we are, uh, you know, four business days later, not even four business days later. And there's offers on all of the pieces that were, were placed and, and very close to the list price. So I think that you'll continue to see investors have great confidence in the smaller assets. The larger assets where there's most likely going to be used uh, debt financing to make the acquisition. Lenders are trying to figure out what to do. You know, they all need to get money out as well, but they don't want to put money out at, uh, you know, based on a 3.4% treasury when it could maybe be a 4% treasury. But at the end of the day, they do need to get money out as well. So we're just in this little wait and see period right now. And I think the, the, uh, from the seller standpoint, it's a great time to be patient and, you know, don't overreact. The floor is not falling out. The fundamentals are still fantastic. Um, I think from the buyer's perspective, uh, you know, maybe there's a few less bidders now than there were two months ago or six months ago. So maybe a little less competition, but you're still buying most of the retail properties we're selling in the Western U.S. or at or below replacement cost. We're still at a historically kind of wide cap rate to treasury spread. So the best retail is selling it, you know, call it around a five cap, but the treasury is at uh, 340 right now. So that's 160 basis point spread in. But you think back to the GFC cycle, you know, kind of 2006, 2007, the best cap rates were five and a quarter to five and a half. And the treasury was around five and a quarter. And so there's still a really compelling reason to buy and invest in commercial property right now, but we're just in a little bit of a transitional market. There'll be opportunities for, for both sellers and buyers as things sort out here. Hmm. I think we can agree on all the, I think everybody I talk to agrees on all those facts, which is that there's a lot of changes going on and it will impact us somehow not necessarily long-term and we just have to kind of write it out and wait and see. I think the, the owners with the biggest challenge right now are those that are in a uh, that have a maturity coming up, you know, and they're going to have to refinance when it isn't fully stable yet. You know, um, maybe they have a big theater or something. So there's there's some challenges, but at least they're not because of a deterioration of the whole market. It's just a, an anomaly. So. Well, on, on a deal we started working on with your first service solutions team at the end of last year, uh, the property had a 4.7 something percent loan in place and a short amortization on the loan. And in November of last year, that debt looked terrible. Yeah. And mm-hmm. now you're like, well, that, that debt actually <laughs> looks pretty good, right? I mean, and it, you know, these things happen very quickly. And yeah. so, again, I think opportunities in every market, but I, I don't disagree if you have a property that's not yet stabilized, uh, typically just like investors or the average American is going to pull back a little bit in these times of great change. You're going to see tenants generally pull back a little bit too. And so it might be a little harder to achieve stabilization. So I think if you have a maturity coming up uh, for sure in the next 12 months, but probably the next 24 months, the time to start exploring your options uh, is now and you know be an active market participant so that when you have to pull the lever and, and make the decision. You've got all the information you need and you've talked to the right people. Amen. I mean, that that's actually what I tell, what I try to get out all the time is, you know, don't, I see some people, I've, I've, I've run across this a few times lately where owners have lit, big retail owners. You you would know who they are. They, they list their property for sale and um, thinking everything's all fine. 
and in the back of their mind, they know there's some chance that it's going to sell below the debt. And at that point, they're going to go see what to do. Well, yeah, don't do that. All right. Come early and find out what your options are in that situation because there's a way to do that transaction, but it's not like list it for sale and then we'll figure it out later. So come early, speak to experts, get their advice, and then, you know, start. But but figure out what your options are early. I agree with you totally, Phil. Oh, yeah. In any good broker, if you come to them a year out and say, hey, this is going to be, you know, this time next year, I'm going to do something. What should I do with my property now? Mm-hmm. You know, don't just ask one broker, ask a couple. Yeah. They're, you're going to learn something from each of those conversations yeah. and they're going to tell you extend this lease or don't extend this lease or, yeah. you know, fix that capital pro, you know, issue, you know, solve that roof thing, you know, clean up that environmental, you know, you can't ignore a lot of those problems. And as you know, many of them are not fixed with the wave of a wand is usually the <laughs> stroke of a pen and yeah. the hard work of people over time to, to get the right resolution. So you just got to start early. That's right. Absolutely. Well, Phil, I have so enjoyed talking to you. I um, really appreciate your insight today and um, it's been really nice catching up again. We'll have to do it again much before another, you know, 25 years, <laughs> but you're our first stop, and when we've got uh, you know a client that's got a, oh. a loan that they need to address, particularly CMBS loans, securitized loans, you guys are the authority. And, and gosh, there's there's nothing more complex for the layperson or even the sophisticated person than understanding you know the side of the business that you all do. So you've been a marvelous resource for our team, and, and not just you, all of your staff as well. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. And, and uh, it's funny because we, I always offer, my whole team always offers free advice. And it, and it floors me when sometimes I have people say, no, 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 thanks. I don't need it. Well, you may not. And maybe everything that we say will be redundant and you already knew. But, you know, gosh, getting somebody's input is invaluable, right? I mean, you might hear something you didn't know. So it's anyway, I appreciate that input. And, and always, I think when people need advice um, and are deciding what to do, reach out to as many experts as you can, like you said, especially when it's free advice to start with. So, um, yeah, thanks, Phil. Appreciate it. And uh, you have a great day. Uh Appreciate your input again, and uh, we'll, we'll give a connection so listeners can reach out to you if they want to, okay? Thanks, Ann. Retail's Thank here to stay. Don't be afraid. <laughs> keep, keep, a toe in, keep a toe in the retail pool. <laughs> Thank you. Bye, Ann.